the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Atrocities, atrocities. Which one to rip apart, litigate, and prove beyond the shadow of a doubt this fascistic Marxist mafia disguising itself as Democrats is nothing more than a Soviet strongman in a diaper pretending to be a doddering old fool. It's not Joe Biden you have to worry about because, after all, anything he heard five minutes ago is what he thinks now because he's a dimwit who's suffering from dementia. It's the cohorts of Marxist scum hiding behind him. All of the do-nothing, good-for-nothing, know-nothings who've never run anything, let alone had a job or had to worry about anything. The Mercedes Marxists are neck deep. And, you know, um, one of the things when you're struggling to always do better, to be a capitalist, to always provide more for your family, and the side effect of that is that you help everybody, in what you generate from those efforts. That used to be called capitalism in America. That's why this very infant country of 245 years became the best. It wasn't because of the government technocrats' corrupt mafia that managed to regulate and mitigate and orchestrate and taxate and all of the nonsense that we hear from this pathetic facade of a man, this flaccid old man in diapers. None of that is what made this country great. Yet everything he has to do has one common denominator. Force. Force. Government force is fascism. What they're selling you, and the reason that I address them properly as the Fourth Reich, is some government-orchestrated top-down utopia where Joe Biden gets to tic-tac and pick apart and decide who's good and who's bad, who pays, who doesn't pay, all of it. Yet as I go on to the, um, I'm in Florida, so I'm going to tell you that I'm flying home tomorrow for Venetian night, and I'm coming right back down here. And I had an old iPad laying around. Now, I changed when Matt Drudge proved himself to be just a propaganda whore and sold, I think, the, the controlling interest to some Soros-backed media group. I watched how that became a hit piece for everything that built Matt Drudge. Everything that made him popular and everything that made him a sought-after website. So when I got rid of Facebook, I don't have the app on my phone. So if any of you are trying to contact me, I, I, uh, the, the kid who works at 560, wonderful kid, sends me some stuff. People are trying to contact me. Sorry, don't go on Facebook. Twitter, I was seized. Ironically, on the 6th of, of January when I was getting on a plane, don't tweet. I don't do any of that nonsense anymore. So when I open up the old iPad, it just had happened to have Drudge Report as the screensaver, as it used to be years ago when Matt Drudge's website was relevant and posted news instead of propaganda. So in the Washington Post today, the reason I'm bringing this up, in the Washington Post today, there's an opinion piece by a guy named Finkelstein. Now, I love to say the name Finkelstein, and his name is actually Frederico Finkelstein, which is, might be the most fun name to say ever on radio. And if my name was Frederico Finkelstein, I would decide to be announced with that name everywhere I went. I would actually hire somebody to just say, Frederico Finkelstein is entering the room. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a great name. However, his attitude and his mind is that of a Marxist fraud liar, like all Democrats are, as they quote Marx and pretend to be capitalists, like we're going to show Joe Biden doing um, today as he was 
trying to struggle through a a right-to-work speech, ironically enough, while pumping in communist unions to destroy any sense of capitalism among any kind of franchise or anything else. So in the Washington Post, Donald Trump has blurred the line between populism and fascism in a dangerous way. Now, see, here's the deception. Name a Donald Trump policy that was steeped in force. Even those policies economically that I really disagreed with, primarily because they were put forward by former Democrat frauds. Frauds. Uh, If it wasn't Steve Mnuchin, it was Peter Navarro. Never cared for those two Democrat frauds ever. And their their idea of tariff and taxation and, and debt and, and, and fraud of, of, a, of a stock market and taking over banking, I never went along with. But ironically enough, Trump really did not implement those policies. Where he did things I disagreed with, I openly called him out. When he redistributed wealth to farmers, when he uh, uh, tried to implement a, a, a tariff on China while ignoring all of the other countries that were buying the steel from China and dropping it off here, selling it, even United States steel companies, I called it out and I discussed it. But not one of those policies took an American company and forced it to do anything. That would have been fascistic. See, but what the new Marxist, what the new Nazi, the real National Socialist Worker Party member calling themselves Democrats, what they try to do is misuse that word fascism so that the people can't figure it out. When fascism is what the Joe Biden administration stands for, as it was what the Barack Obama administration stood for, as it is for virtually every single Democrat since the dawn of this country. They are the most fascistic, top-down party. And they're doing it all for your own good, as you'll always find out. There's always a greater good that you must mortgage yourself to and sacrifice for. Because that claptrap nonsense gets them that base of people who want to do nothing except get paid for something. And their real goal of a Democrat voter is to restrain his fellow American. He doesn't like the idea that Americans can do anything. So he wants to use the iron fist of government to restrain. So they call it regulations. They call it taxation. They call it, I don't know, the betterment of society. Each and every case, holding back the people who are really the private entrepreneurs and the capitalists and the people who really generate betterment of society. Well, turning it over to these political whores, And that's why they could ignore all of the corruption in the past. They could ignore the family money. They could ignore the tax evasion. They could ignore the PACs and the prostitution of government strength. They could ignore it all. So they could have this idiot, this absolute idiot, come out and try to tell you how capitalism works without spitting in his face with laughter or anger. Fair competition is why capitalism has been the world's greatest force of prosperity and growth. By the same token... Competitive economy means companies must do all they do to do everything they do to compete for workers. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wrong again, stupid. What they must do is provide a good or service that the bulk of society deems valuable. That's it. The rest is to follow. They must provide a good or a service in which the bulk of of society sees value in it and wants that good or service. That's it. That's the secret sauce. Now, what happens after that is a negotiation between the people you hire and you need to have work for you to produce the good or service. The idea that government is somehow manipulating and acting as a labor union on behalf of the worker tells you that the parent company, whatever it is, can never really do its best because it has to negotiate with a government who has the power of taxation, the power of regulation, and the power to take it away. That is fascism. Not Donald Trump, not Republicans, not capitalists, not populism even, although I disagree with it. This is what fascism looks like. It looks like 17 facelifts, some fake hair sewed in, and a diaper that is thin enough to wear a suit over. That's what it looks like. And it's the same 
Soviet Marxist claptrap that has destroyed every South American nation, every totalitarian dictator-run island, every European hellhole run by a strong gangster. Offering higher wages, more flexible hours, better benefits. But what we've seen over the past... All of those things is the negotiation between employer and employee. Simple. Simple. Nobody can negotiate on behalf of the employee better than the employee, except the the labor mafia, the union. Because what he's learned is he can charge the guy who needs the job. He can charge him dues. He can make him pay for to get ahead in the union hierarchy, in the eyes of the union. He can also threaten to use a workforce to shut down the entity that hires that worker. See, what organized labor crime looks like is a union the whole time carving out billions and billions of dollars, if not trillions, for their own business agents and their own strongmen who extort the worker and extort the company. But yet you got a bunch of people that think they need it when they're exactly wrong. And the best product ever put together is nine times out of ten non-union, which, by the way, teaches its members how not to be exceptional, how not to to produce to their highest and best, to have a standard of production. They're not interested in individual union workers producing exceptional quality. They're not. They're interested in bare minimum. Two decades is less competition and more concentration that holds our economy back. We see it in big agriculture, in big tech. Just listen to this man. This is the guy in charge of the country. You want to talk about unfit. You want to talk about incapable. You want to talk about it. He should be removed immediately from office. And if the Republicans had the intellect and the, and the understanding or the principles to represent what was best for this country, they would demand that this dementia patient be stripped of office immediately, not later, today. Pharma, the list goes on. Rather than competing for consumers... They are consuming their competitors rather than every company that he's going to talk about now is the company that has done such because the government has helped them. What he doesn't want you to know is that we don't have capitalism anymore. We have corporatism that in order for companies to do exactly what his accusations are, they must have first paid off political whores such as himself and his ilk. In a capitalist society, that only happens when there's an agreement between the competitors, between the people. Conglomerates can never survive in a true capitalist economy because the people who make up those conglomerates, those individuals, decide to break off on their own. And that's why for 70 years you've been hearing about this. All of the companies that when you watch the old videos in the 70s and they would argue about how great socialism was, all those companies have disappeared All those ones that were going to take over the world. And in fact, it's only with government's help and it's only with the misappropriation of very specific law that they have managed to break apart companies, yet give them a vehicle to go to foreign lands and build foreign companies that become very dangerous and harmful to America. For instance, Saudi Arabia would still be a destination where what would what did they do before the the, before uh, uh Rockefeller had to break apart Standard Oil. What did they do before that? Because he's the one who taught them how to get the oil out of their ground. They didn't just discover that one day, like, oh, Judge shooting at a rabbit and oil pops out of the ground. That was because they used an antitrust act so that politicians could, in their mind, usurp Standard Oil's profit, which was facing its own problems from competition at the same time they said they had none. They do not understand capitalism because they've never worked. They have no idea what they're doing. And you've got the worst of the worst representing America today. It's a damn disgrace. 312-642-5600. I'll be back. Nice pull. Fat. Friday music. Now, listen, I've got two good calls. Will and Dan Standling. If you want to be honest, 312-642-5600. But I want to prove a point a little bit. Because just like Frederico Finkelstein, the modern-day Marxist, the fraud, the corrupt 
political whore has understood that to become that wordsmith, you must mix words and have an innuendo that you are doing what's betterment and historically capitalistic the whole time you're preaching corporatism, socialism, and true fascism. Joe Biden has learned this skill, and even in his dementia-ridden state, he still can sound to he, he can still pretend to sound like a capitalist the whole time, preaching collectivism, pe- uh, preaching a fixed economy where not only does government set the rules, but it is void of competition the whole time, calling for competition. Workers should be free to take a better job if someone offers it. If your employer wants to keep you. He or she should have to make it worth your while to stay. Well, welcome to America, stupid. That's exactly how it works now. That's exactly how it works now. But now what Joe Biden is going to do is something very slithery that only a political whore could pull off with a straight face. What he's going to do is take something that was written in franchise rules and in fran- uh, specifically for franchises. And he wouldn't know this because he never had to work. He doesn't understand. He never had to go think about maybe I want to open a Burger King or a McDonald's. He can't. He's never had that experience. He's getting his information third and fourth hand, and it's being presented by a lobbyist who, when he tells him something, drops off a big old fat check and then probably has to put Hunter on the board. So this is what he's doing here. And what he's referring to is a no poaching rule. It is a no poaching rule between specifically Burger King and McDonald's. So he's going to use that as if it was a non-compete clause that people get when they sell businesses to other companies, which is preposterous, which, which by the way, is unenforceable. The non-compete law he is referring to, and 90% of all non-compete cases, never win because you cannot prevent someone from making a living. They don't win. So this is a red herring, a straw man to invoke fear and anger that should not be there. That's the kind of competition that leads to better wages and greater dignity of work. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to go into it now, but I used to, you know, there's non-compete clauses or people running um, uh, the machines that lay down asphalt. If, in fact, you uh, get offered a job and you have a, you know, you're in uh, Arkansas doing it, a lot of specific examples, you can't take a job in West Texas to do it. What in the hell does that have to do with anything? Can he present one case, one lawsuit, one penalty for any of these accusations? The answer is no. More fear-mongering by the iron-fisted fascist pretending to be this president, I guess. No, I'm serious. Where there were clauses in McDonald's contracts. You can't leave Burger King to go to McDonald's. Come on. Is there a trade secret about what's inside that patty? Yes, there is, stupid. Yes, there is, stupid. There are trade secrets at those companies. And that agreement you're talking about is between franchisees, not the flipper. Not the burger flipper, not the fry man. But when you are at the level where you know what the recipes are, then yes. But how would Joe know or Joe's the fruit of his loins, that spoiled crackhead hunter? How would they know what real life is and jobs? They don't. So they're told by lobbyists. They're told by Marxists pretending to be Democrats. They're propagandized and they get a check and they go out and they regurgitate it. And he's doing a terrible job. The Republicans better start to mount up a fight because otherwise, you know, there's people right now that that, that think this guy's talking about capitalism tonight. They think that he's talking about American entrepreneurship or what's really best for the worker. Yet he's protecting the very unions that harm the people who cannot afford to lose the jobs. The SEIU union mafia, the teachers union mafia and all the rest of it. Please, it's sickening. They own him. Just like in The Godfather, they own him like a chicklet in their pocket. Will and Skokie. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, I work in the construction trade. I'm, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a tradesman. I'm a home inspector uh, doing, you know, when people buy houses and stuff. And the thing I've noticed is that there are no more union jobs uh, doing residential construction because the unions have priced themselves out of the market. 
because the politicians allow them to. Um, but listen how devious they were, Will. First of all, you're right. right. But listen to how devious they were. Because now, they're, now the government has become the biggest spender in the country. So if you want one right. of these contracts, guess what you need? Union right. workers. So you have to pay high, which ironically is exactly the opposite of what government spending is supposed to do. Yeah. You're supposed to get what me, the, the citizen, the best value, not pay some fluffer to go sit in his truck and pretend to go to work. One example here is they, the home inspector licensing law just sunsetted, and so they passed the new law. And you had a whole bunch of guys who were had multi-inspector firms. Uh, they want to raise the, quote, standards, unquote. So what they're doing is they're now lobbying the government to have specific requirements that only can be met by the multi-inspector firms that are big companies. And 90% of them are hiring these guys as 1099 employees, when, but treating them as regular employees, which yeah. is against the IRS rules. Yeah. And... It, they just basically want to want to you know rent seat from the government. Oh, Absolutely. we'll we'll do all that stuff for you, and uh, you don't have to worry about it. But we want the government to mandate that it has to be done. You well, before I, mean? I go on break, and, I want you just to tell the people because most people don't know when an inspector inspects the property, and if he doesn't catch termites, if he doesn't catch something, what's the recourse the consumer has against the inspector? Why don't you enlighten the people? Well, they can uh, go to the the. Uh, the IDFPR, the state, and but the real the recourse, not not the not the book answer. The real recourse is the inspector is only liable for his fee, and the people can punt for any real right. damage. Correct? Well, yeah, that that, that was a court, court thing, and yeah. you have good inspectors out there and bad inspectors. I'm not knocking them well. I'm just saying ultimately they have lobbied and and made it so they're held harmless against their own incompetence. They are in bed with the government, proving my broader corporatist point. Will and Skokie, thank you. I'll take your calls. Thank you for holding Bart, Dan. Hang on. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. When I get back. Fast the show. I'm going. We're going to do um, features with me. I want to bring on one of the uh, organizers for Venetian Night tomorrow to talk about that. I've got to still figure out what time we're going to do that. So I'm only going to take a couple of calls here, and then we're going to move on. So real quick, I'm going to take them in order. Bart Bridgeport. Hey, always good to talk to you. You too. You know, that story he told about heavy equipment operators not being able to move because of non-compete clause, that's that. Doesn't bear any basis in reality. And if you want to see something else, take his salary times forty-seven years, and then explain how he's a multi-millionaire. This guy understands nothing about capitalism. Exactly. Look at what they've done to the public sector unions. I mean, the parasite is bigger than the whole store organism. That's exactly you know? right, Bart. And I appreciate the call very much. You're exactly right. Now, Dan and Downers Grove, you're going to do a little segue into my next segment. How are you, kid? I'm doing great, son. Very fired up my fuente. So anyway. Quick thing, um, didn't he just advocate against the NEA and the teachers' unions? Sounded like didn't it. Didn't he just yeah, didn't say he's going to open it all up? So does that mean tax dollars are going to flow to private schools, get the same amount of money? So I guess to say where my tax dollars are going. 80% of everyone's property tax goes to education. Absolutely. And they have in place a, an organized crime figure disguised as a union, that recycles 90% of what it gets into the coffers of politicians who regulate their existence while preventing and making it more difficult for parents to have alternatives or to make different moves. You know what that's called? A great scam, Dan. That's a great scam. Don't you wish you were in on that? Me either, because I have too much character for that nonsense, just like you, Dan. Enjoy that, Fuente. I appreciate it. Now I'm going to tell you that's why when you listen to school boards and you listen to these butter-handed pansies, these soft, moronic Marxists pretending to be intellectuals, talk to citizens who pay their salary with a disdain and a contempt, it's because they have a rigged system and you're held harmless. But I do think there's a way. But first I want you to listen to this school board in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter where they are. They're all occupied by the same kind of communists, Marxists, Soviets, whatever they're calling themselves. They can all hide under the umbrella of Democrat. So let me clearly state, our taxpayer dollars are not money, not monopoly money for you to play with. The misuse of legal services by this board needs to stop. 
Pivoting, I do want to take a moment to remark over the disturbing misconduct by this board during the April school board meeting when members of this board staged a prepared personal attack on community member Doug Baumschel. During those prepared attacks, board members misrepresented facts around equities in schools, presented unindexed statistics that have no reflection on Pensbury. You know what, I'm going to stop you there. We, we, we're not going to tolerate misrepresentation of facts around equity. So that's irrelevant, and you can stop. In your opinion? No, you can stop, Mr. Daly. You're done. Who are you talking sure you want to do that, Mr. Yes, Rizzo? I do. All right, we'll see you in court, sir. Just a reminder, you didn't need an equity. I, I said you're done. You didn't need an equity. I said you're done. No. Mr. Daly, sit down. You're done. We're not. We're not going to take it, it, that. Is irrelevant. That's important you're, because it suggests it, it breaks. You're, you're done, Mr. No, I'm not. Yes, you are, Mr. No, Murphy. You're done. You are done. Those are two different people. Well, you're done. No, I'm not. You're done. What? Based on what? Board policy 903. You are what now being dis. Now they have these little rules where they get together. And they all decide which teacher is the least repulsive and the, and the old uh, sexually frustrated other teachers try to hit on her. And they pretend it's a board meeting and they structure these little rules where they can stifle any resistance to their iron fisted real corruption of a school system where they pay off everybody first themselves corruptive and disorderly you're done you're, the you're done you know what you're finished you're, you can count on being sued 65 percent this is another person uh, the diversity program 65 percent are extremely happy now 27 percent were neutral eight percent were unhappy so we're going to build a multi-million dollar program for the eight percent that are unhappy I'll bring the eight percent in here. Let them meet with. All right, all right, all right. You're, you're done. You're done. We're not. We're not going through this again, Mr. Abrams. That is not what the equity program is about. We're not going to sit here and listen to you. You're done. You're done. Who are you talking to like that? You're done. I wish to God somebody would talk to me like that. I can't even find it. To the last two, I think you are. So here's the deal. They've got a monopoly on this system, and you're in it, and you're all in it. I never understood why the people who don't have any kids don't rise up and say, what the hell is going on? I'm paying 80% for the kid that just robbed me. But that's another whole other, that's stage two of thought. In the meantime, 80% of all property, the taxes, go to this mafia, this monopoly, the real monopoly, public education. That's why they fight so vehemently hard against vouchers, against charter schools. That's why they're trying to unionize their competition, because they like this scam, and they're going to do everything in their power to keep it. There's one way that it can go away, only one. You're never going to get them to relinquish this power. However, they make money, and their budget is based on students in the classroom. Now, I know some people are saying it's easy for me to say, because my kids are now out of the 12th grade. However, every year I sent them to private school. I struggled. We struggled. We sacrificed and we did it. And that was, and in in hindsight, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Do you know that? In hindsight, I wish what I would have done was the only thing that is the real way to put up a resistance. And that is to put either a group of parents together and homeschool by hiring one non-union teacher among 10 kids and 10 parents could afford her. Or If you can't do that, homeschool your own kid. The kid will be better. The life and the quality of that kid will be better. And these Marxist scum will not profit. I know the lure of free daycare is sometimes too much to resist. But until you do that, they're going to pretend to have a facade of change. Why would they give up this monopoly? They are above reproach. They are held harmless. It's irrelevant what they do. And when they harm kids, they, can bear, they cannot get fired. And in the meantime, they could talk to taxpayers the way you just heard. That's common. Because this guy just had the, the courage to say it. What do you think they really think of you in their own little private meetings when they talk amongst themselves? You think they have respect for you? 
I think you'd be wrong. In fact, I think you'd come to learn if they knew how you thought, they'd take it out on your kids. Kids kicked out of school because of their parents' beliefs. Two moms say it happened to their children, and now they're pushing back. Now, the parents have been campaigning against what critics call critical race theory, and they say that Columbus Academy, one of the best-known private schools in Ohio, expelled their kids. Luann Stoya has been digging into this hot-button issue, reaching out to the people involved, so Luann, the debate just gets more divisive. Several hundred parents have joined the pro-CA coalition campaign. That's the goal. Now, this particular school was a private school, a charter school, I believe. Several hundred parents have joined to, to go to these school board meetings. Why? Several hundred parents get together and hire your own teacher and bring 10 kids at a time, five kids at a time, whatever it is. Break the system by refusing to participate in the Rube Goldberg Marxist scheme not school system, scheme that they've already constructed. That's the only way you change things. 312-642-5600. I'll be back after this. The Department of Miseducation, also known as the Department of Education, was signed into law in 1978. Look at the quality of education that has happened since 1978. Look at the product that those Marxist indoctrination camps have produced. You're going to see it. Just flip on the news and you'll see all of the goodness that the uh, CPS union mafia has produced. And uh, do you think it's any different no matter who they sit at the head of the unions? Remember, it was uh, the rather portly Karen Lewis before she found a diet that works. And now it's the communist Sharky whose wife, whose wife is, 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 is an heiress, is a trust fund baby. The guy lives in a two and a half million dollar house, but he's down with the struggle. He's a real Marxist. Well, until he gives it away and moves next door to some of the students, I don't think so. That's just me. I'm silly that way. Steve, Southside. Sean, Chicago people are idiots. CPS is a criminal racket. Their enrollment has been declining for decades, decades. But yet the money, the amount of money that they get per student has been going up. I think it's the highest, one of the highest in the country, somewhere around eighteen to twenty thousand yeah. dollars per pupil. And here's the thing, Steve. Yeah. Unless, of course, they could figure out if that kid has ADHD, then, ADHD. then the school gets another six grand. Right. Yeah, so if they can somehow get that kid on medication, workers. yeah, it's 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 a scam that feeds on its own failure. It gets stronger with its own incompetence, and the and the more it's corrupt, it, it's irrelevant. You remember the woman who got caught in the in the scandal where she um, spent twenty five million. Her take was two point five million. Here's a woman that was in charge of the spending. Here's how stupid the the the, the, the I guess principles are. She she delegated twenty five million to a milk scam. They gave her $2.5 million and she got the jail sentence. Not that she spent any time. I think they released her in two years. But what's the real penalty? Where's the $25 million? What happened to the guys that were the milk producers? See, John, these are, Dan, these are all questions we need to answer. John and Piatone. Hi, John. You're on. You're on. You're on. Hi there. Hey, listen. Yeah. You'll never do anything with. Uh, correcting these schools until we get vouchers uh, for the private schools out of the tax dollars that are supposed to go to these te- these teachers unions. John, I followed when that they argument. That money. I'm going to I'm going to break. I agree with you, and I followed that argument. But here's a broader argument, John. Why should society provide that schools? Why should that system of our society be in this socialist soiree of failure? How about the parents actually pay for their kids and nobody else? That might be a system that would get the parents engaged instead of dropping them off like a daycare. All right, I'll be back after this. Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, 
With personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. As I was talking about in the uh, very first segment, it's getting... We're ha- we have fewer and fewer choices of where to go for some honest, good reporting. I, I, one of my favorites is PJ Media. I was lucky enough to get Tyler O'Neill. He's the senior editor of PJ, PJ Media, author and a conservative commentator. And he wrote an article that when I saw it, I said, Misty, let's get him on the phone. And I'm going to tell you why. I want to thank you so much for joining me. How are you, Tyler? Hey, doing well. Glad to be here, Sean. So you have an article that you wrote that I found to be absolutely fantastic, and that was, does the left wing, I mean, does the left want another capital riot? Now, the reason that I found that to be very interesting is because I spend a lot of time, I I have a place in Florida, I go back and forth, right? In Florida, there is talk that the Capitol Police is going to open up an office down here because it has determined that um, there are people who organized the the so-called uh, uh, the Capitol riot, and there were some Floridians there. So what they're going to do now, outside of the FBI, outside of the investigation, is open up an office here to see if there is any kind of uprising of uh, a revolt against the current administration. I find that to be outrageous. So when I saw this article, I wanted to learn more about what you thought. Yeah, no, I'd say that's extremely outrageous. I mean, the fact the fact of the matter is the Capitol riot was, you know, a, a tragic one-off situation. And luckily, you know, the, the circumstances that led to it have largely passed. But what we have now is this constant push from the left through our institutions, through the government, through heck, corporations stepping out and uh, and silencing dissent on some of these issues, where it seems as though the left wants to push uh, conservatives to the breaking point, suggesting that every part of our society is racist, sexist, homophobic, or whatever, must be fundamentally changed and must essentially demonize and root out those quote-unquote extremists who would dare disagree with the leftist agenda. It's it's terrifying. And yet, at the same time, it, it makes me wonder if they're trying to rile us up so that we would prove their extremism charges correct. And it moves like this are yet another example of the Biden administration trying to poke the bear in ways that are truly egregious, rather disgusting, and occasionally downright horrifying. And that's why I like your writing so much, because I'm going to tell you what specifically happened to me and my perspective on this whole thing. On the morning of the 6th, I was flying down to Florida. I had said nothing in, on Twitter. Uh, I had not gotten this show as of yet, but I had filled in for Steve Cortez, who worked with the Trump administration. Okay, I had filled in for three months on his show before I got this show. On the morning of the 6th in in Chicago, we have a a station called WGN. It's like Carol Burnett reads the news. It's like a variety show, right? they got comedians on there, and they make fun of each other, so you watch it. They have a a political reporter who looks as if Boris Karloff and the son of Sven Gulli had an unholy uh, forest preserve love affair and produced this guy. He's a funny-looking guy, and he spews from a a chair that is actually right out of the, um, the, the city hall. They have these green leather chairs. He actually sits in one. So he's a propagandist. He had said something. I said, oh, it's more propaganda from the propagandist. By the t- I got on the plane. By the time I landed, my account was seized, never to return, along with 30,000 other commentators or provocateurs, whatever it is, for freedom and capitalism and Americanism. I have always thought, and I have not talked about this before, I have thought that they had always determined to make this system, this, this thing, which I don't, I don't abide by. I would have never broke anything. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those guys. But as I watched it on the news, they kept referring to it as this insurrection. And I'm a, I love history. I never heard of a weaponless insurrection 
but they kept saying it. They kept browbeating. They keep doing it even now. And you have to understand, I'm old, Tyler. I know you're a young kid. I'm old. We used to go to Rush Street in Chicago. Every bar looked like that thing that they called the insurrection. I'm not kidding you. You go down, you go to any bar on Rush Street, that's how it looked inside. And the only person that was killed, to my knowledge, was the woman who was shot in the neck who you found out had no history of, uh, she wasn't part of the weather underground. She had no no ties to any terrorism of domestic. She was not a supremacist. And it's like they kind of just used her as fodder and they put her on the side. And then they tried to say that they killed the cop who his own family said, no, he had health problems. And that kind of just goes away. Any evidence for our innocence goes away. And the indictment of, of just their, their accusation sticks with us. I don't know. How do we beat that? Yeah, it's it's extremely difficult because they keep returning to the same narrative over and over again. And we saw, and this is this is what I pointed out, and what uh, Daryl Cooper, host of the Martyr Made podcast, uh, pointed out in a very lengthy and revealing Twitter thread. Uh, he was saying that you know one of the things that led to the Capitol riot was the fact that a lot of conservatives, you know, had been paying attention through the Trump years. They had seen what the FBI did in the Russiagate conspiracy. They had seen these people, you know, go on TV and say, there's evidence Trump is colluding with Russia and he's a traitor. <laughs> while in the no. back, in back room deals, while they were under oath, they kept saying, oh no, there's no evidence. We haven't seen evidence, you know, and, and <laughs> this comes out and then you'd be expecting a huge reckoning of the legacy media you'd be expecting something to happen and nothing really has happened. And these, these outlets continue. And this, this was a, you know, earth shattering revelation, not just because, you know, the media lies, people knew the media lied, but people would not have expected this level of deception from the very institutions that exist for justice in America And when those very same institutions come back four years later and immediately say, oh, there's no evidence of uh, of malfeasance in in the election, there's no there's no reason to be concerned. And they give these reports before they could have ever done any investigation. It's like it was already there. It's, It's insanity. Well, it reminds you that Karl Marx was a reporter. Now, you have another article that came out. And it's specifically about something that has really raised the ire of a lot of parents that for the first time, the only benefit that COVID had is you got the, you got a glimpse at exactly what these these union thugs, these Marxists were teaching your kid. Well, you pretended they were well, you thought they were learning and you were able to go to work and you find out what exactly are they trying to hide. And I found this article good as well is this critical race theory. It's it's a th- first of all it's in the title it's a theory of a disgruntled person and all of a sudden it's it's being taught to our kids as if it's if it's if it's etched in stone if it's actual fact i find the whole thing to be really almost revealing and enlightening of just how stupid the teachers are <laughs> it's yeah it, it, it's a very interesting uh phenomenon right because you have the situation where um the left has two responses. You know, we, we've been seeing this white privilege teaching these ideas that America is inherently racist and institutionally racist and needs, you know, top to bottom to top reform to get rid of hidden white racism everywhere. And all that evil whiteness. And even the Smithsonian published a thing saying that the nefarious, oppressive influence of whiteness was behind capitalism and freedom and just morons, just morons. They just keep repeating it. But but it's like all of that stuff traces back to this idea, this this critical race theory that is a lens on how you see the world. And this lens is being taught to children and parents, parents can't stand for it. And what I love is that this isn't just a, you know, a white phenomenon. A lot of people are saying, oh, these white parents are frustrated about their white privilege being overridden. And no, you see video after video of black mothers and fathers coming out and saying, look, this is demon- this is damaging my children. This is telling them that they can't think for themselves, that they're fundamentally oppressed. You see Asian parents coming out and saying, look, 
we're being discriminated against. People are saying that uh, schools have too many Asian kids, and th- this is racist. And it's it's a very, you know, I, I live in Northern Virginia, and mm-hmm. one of the, the very top schools in the country, Thomas Jefferson High School, uh, had a merit-based uh, system, and then oh, they switched. That's not going to fly. To a proportional system, right? Yeah. And and the ironic thing is, you know, they were saying, oh, this is going to get rid of get rid of racism, this is going to, you know, make things equitable, and lo and behold, what happens, you have fewer Asian kids who are accepted, but you actually have more white kids accepted under the new lottery system than under the old system that was merit-based. It's insanity. Tyler, when I'm so old, when I was a kid, they had uh, a class, it was called Special Ed. And the teachers, the teachers would, you know, if you acted, if you if you weren't paying attention, if you didn't do your homework, they would say, do you want to go in the room with the dummies? We had a teacher actually say, we will not tolerate the dummies slow down this class. If you're a moron, get in the other room with the dummies. And it was through that you were like, I remember being a kid thinking, oh, my God, I better do well before I end up in the dummy class. Now they've turned the entire class into special ed and they were they, they keep the kids who want to excel. They keep them back with restraints. It's 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 what do you think the future is going to look? like if this is your education system it's it's preposterous to me what's happened well i think the public schools are going to start cratering even more than they have been and you've seen the covid pandemic uh schools remaining closed far longer than they need to be uh even the cdc coming out and saying that kids should wear masks more in than class them. and and it's like kids are not susceptible to covid and then, lo and behold, you have this study that shows that on those masks, you have diseases, all sorts of diseases. Yeah, no kidding. You ever see a kid's, you ever see a kid's shirt, let alone something he's got on his face? It's ridiculous. I got a, I got a producer whose shirt yeah. is, is, is filthy, let alone if he was an eight-year-old kid, it'd be even worse. So listen, I got, let, I got two minutes. But before I let you go, Andrew Cuomo, this scumbag, they toot they scumbags, this son of a dog, as if he couldn't get fired enough for killing who knows how many thousands of old people, not to mention the nipple rings. What's he doing now? Yeah, so he is issued a gun a gun violence uh, emergency declaration, and this is a you know disaster emergency to fight a quote unquote public health crisis, and this is just one more step toward uh, the Democrats using the power that they grabbed in the in the COVID pandemic to seize control and run an end run around legislatures and the rights of the minority and. You know, I, I think this is a step, a big step toward climate lockdown. We heard throughout the pandemic that Democrats celebrated the fact that carbon emissions went down because people had to hunker down in their homes. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? They want to bring that back. And if they keep pushing their narrative that the world is ending with even though all these chicken little predictions never come to pass and they keep saying, oh, the science, the science, the science. Well, we can see an Anthony Fauci of climate oh boy. forcing his lockdowns in the, in the name of preventing the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's terrifying. And I think you see the, the situations moving into play. I'll tell you, you know, Tyler, I, I just before I let you go real quick, what's the under over on before American people just accept that they're slaves? What do you think? It'll be by uh, September or you think it'll take to December? It's preposterous <laughs> to me. Well, I'm hoping you get a big, uh, massive slave uprising at the ballot box in 2022. Nice. Next time I'll have you on to talk about how I have no faith in that. Tyler O'Neill, PJ Media, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. We'll be back after this. Hello, Friday. All right, as you guys remember, when the uh, Marxist revolution started in this country, and Tifa, BLM, and every other worker party unite communist front group came out and they started tearing down statues. I uh, brought on a, a, a woman um, who had written numerous history books, who was a teacher herself. And we discussed exactly what happened with Christopher Columbus. Well, there was a couple of people listening who um, were very prominent in the Italian-American community in Chicago. I was very, very honored and flattered when a, when a wonderful, respectable gentleman by the name of Lou Rago reached out to me.
and um, invited me to go to a, a, uh, a interview and do that again with the woman. Carol, uh, I'm going to have to look up her name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But um, at that point, I met Lou's son, and I met some of the hierarchies of the uh, Italian-American Human Relations Foundation of Chicago. They have been working diligently hard to kind of bring back that pride to Chicago that was once there. They have brought back Venetian Night. So I want to bring on, is this Lou? No. It's right. Anthony Rago. I'm Anthony. Lou's son. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I apologize. That's okay. Anthony, um, I wanted to bring you on because your father has been working for years to bring this back. In fact, this is something that went away how long ago? You know, it's been a few years uh, since it's since it's been around. It, it hasn't been a city-sanctioned event for quite some time. Uh, I think one of the harbors may have picked it up a few years ago and, and did it, but it's, uh, it's we're doing something a little it started in 58, right? It's originally 1958. Right, huh? right, right, and had a really long run along the lakefront. Um, and we had the idea to bring it back. Uh, so the Italian-American Human Relations Foundation is sponsoring the event tomorrow night. But instead of doing it on the lakefront, we decided uh, to do it on the Chicago River and kind of turn the river into uh, a, a Venetian canal. Uh, kind of in the in the spirit of all of the uh, decorated boat festivals that they have in Venice, Italy. That's going to be very, very exciting. Now, to top it off, and, and, and you know, I have to laugh. You asked a guy named Sean Thompson to be the master of ceremony. I mean, did your HR people, is are they comedians part-time? How does that work? Well... Well, you've been such a good friend of the Italian community. Being you, you were exactly right. You were involved. Uh, you got involved in the Carol uh, Columbus statue. Yeah, Car- Carol Delaney was Delaney. Her name. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You're, we're going to turn you into an honorary Italian at some point here. Well, I'm uh, half you are Italian. An honorary Italian. Well, I'm oh, half Italian. Oh, there you go. My, my that's mother, why. My mother's name was Sarlo, and my grandfather, you know, I, I was raised in their house, and all my Italian uncles, that's who raised me. And they would call me the Mudigan, which was slang for American, right? And you know that. Yeah. And they would call me that uh-huh. in Nature Boy, and they said, what kind of Italian has, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes? And um, it was it was really an experience growing up in an Italian community, and, and you know, I always... I grew up that way, so I, I understand the trials and tribulations that Italian people have suffered for for decades, and that they made the best of it. And I've always been proud of that heritage, that Italian Americans, most people don't understand this, we were really kept out of businesses, kept out of jobs. We were oh, sure. discriminated against. And then as, uh, as, as neighborhoods grew and, and started to survive, we were always accused of being uh, organized crime. When the real organized crime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to me, is the, is the Democrat Party specifically, and uh, too often the government in general. So, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking about my grandfather, Tomas Sarlo. He'd be getting a kick out of this if he was still here. Well, we may we may introduce you as, as Sean Sarlo tomorrow, but <laughs> Just, uh, so but I don't get foundation, yeah, You you brought up a couple good points as far as uh, the foundation was really formed for for that reason to to combat negative stereotyping uh, of Italians and other ethnic groups. We, we, you know, we we get involved with. Uh, uh, with other ethnic groups who are who are slighted in in different instances around the city and, and the country, um, and the best thing about it is that we came we, we we you know we overcame those and we we went on and and progressed and we became prominent business people to a certain extent and we married non Italians named Thompson right I mean this is all something right? we did and this is the natural progression of assimilating to a country that was built on a principle, not a nationality. And that's kind of what used to be called a melting pot and the beauty of America and Chicago specifically. And yet we've seen that now where government wants to implement racism in the name of racism. And I keep thinking to myself, would my grandparents or great grandparents would have, would they have even wanted that? And, uh, you know, it's difficult, difficult times, but I'm looking to have fun. Now, what happens? The boats are lit up. And um, do you provide Kevlar? I'm assuming you're going to send an armored car for me, right? 
if 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 need be, we could right. probably we could probably find one that it's that's decorated red, white, and green. Yeah. So the um, that is the point is the is the boats will be decorated, the boat parade and and lit up. So the boat parade won't start until it gets a little darker, around eight thirty in the evening. But uh, leading up to that, we will have a program that will start around six thirty along the Riverwalk, specifically at. Uh, the city winery they've been nice enough to uh, give us some space there yeah. to set up a stage and and some sound equipment and uh, from 6 30 to 8 30 there we will have some entertainment uh, you will start uh, the official program at around 7 30 uh, and we will have jesse white as the honorary uh, parade marshal the honorary oh. boat parade marshal um, he is also going to be the the main judge because it is a competition uh, with the. So Jesse's vote is going to count more to me. Uh, once again, a Democrat vote will count like two to my vote. Is that how this is going to go? I'll tell you what. We're going to have to suppress the, the the party politics tomorrow. Maybe. Oh, I can't do that. Are you sure? All right, brother. I'm going to we'll, try really, we'll really we'll hard. See. Can I make fun of your HR guy? Or no? Can I not do that? Jesse White and Sean Thompson. You telling me it's not Don Rickles running the organization? No. No, it's, it's not. And and well, also we do have we do have an Italian, a, a, a tried and true Italian, the Council yeah. General of Italy, the Council General of Italy in Chicago, oh. uh, Mr. Thomas Bozios will be there. Um, well, I might bring we'll my own. Him. Yeah, I might. I might bring we'll, we'll my be own. Presenting I just got to him a Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. We'll and you're going to present a check for how check. much? Uh, I believe a thousand dollars for mm-hmm. uh, the Save Save Venice. Uh, with all of the flooding that they experience there every year, um, so there is a there is a fund set up. Uh, well, for I'm going to tell you what. Like to, I'm going to bring some money too. Ahead. I'm going to donate on top of that, and I want to thank you so oh. much for having me. And uh, we have to go to commercial break. Anthony Rago, say hello to your father for me. Wonderful, wonderful mission. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks again right. for being a part of it. Thank you. We'll be back after this. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. All right, I didn't uh, give you the number. All lines are now open. 312-642-5600. Now, listen, I have to tell you, I've only seen a couple of movies, but I've seen a tremendous amount of documentaries. So... I'm going to go over the the movie that I liked and then one that um, I didn't hate it as much as one Dan Proft, but uh, it wasn't good. Um, Perry's Bounty is surprisingly a good movie. If you get a chance, check out Perry's Bounty. Now, one that I saw was on Prime, and, um, you know, I was listening to Dan this morning as I was walking, and um, he hated Tomorrow War. I have to tell you, it it was bad. But I like sci-fi stuff. I know it's crazy. I like it. It was ridiculous. The aliens were ridiculous. The perspective, you know, the time travel, the whole nine yards. It, it it had some. I mean, I don't know. It, it had some bright spots. It wasn't as bad as he made it sound. Would I watch it again? No. But you know, if you're waiting for a plane in O'Hare and you're trying to get rid of that urine smell in your nose, it's absolutely not terrible. Now, I will tell you one that is an absolute must. C. And it's called Donut King. And I know it sounds preposterous, but you will learn, learn so much in this documentary that I've actually, at least I sent it to my kids. I don't know if they watched it, but I demanded that they did. Um, and the reason is most people are so ignorant to Cambodia and what happened in Cambodia, because it was also during Vietnam, right after Vietnam, how the killing fields were. And, and they were lucky to have just a few people that were that were able to escape. Some of those people came to America, and this particular individual specifically. And what this man did in 10 years of Americanism, of, of, of taking advantage of America, most families don't do in a 100. Now, he, he did stumble on a little problem. I don't want to ruin it for you, but I want you to please, please, I highly recommend The Donut King as a, um, as a documentary. I saw another couple ones, but we got Tom and Cherville. I got, uh, come on, give us a call. Tom, Cherville, how are you? 
Yeah, Sean, I have a movie that I think you might like, and you probably saw it years ago. It's called Rolling Thunder. It came out in 1977. I did see it, yeah. You saw it. It's a vigilante film. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It was big in the 70s. Charles Bronson started it off, and, but nobody ever, in my opinion, nobody touched him. I thought he was fantastic. Well, nobody does vigilante movies like Charles Bronson did mm. back in the day. No. You want to know another good one that I want you to watch? That's about that time period. It, it took place more recently, but it specifically talks about uh, an event that not many people talk about. It's called All the Money in the World. Did you ever see that? You know what? Uh, I think I did. However, it was so many. Uh, I I don't recall. It's about the kidnapping a lot of, of John Paul Getty the Third. Yeah, now I remember. It's really good. I highly recommend that one too. Tom, thank you very much for getting us started. I appreciate it. Rolling Thunder. Thank you, Teresa on the North Side. Hi, Sean. How are you? Um, I don't have a suggestion for a movie or a documentary. However, going back to the top of the show. Uh, Frederico Finkelstein. Fr- Frederico Finkelstein. I, I love it. Yes. I, now, I d- tell me that doesn't sound like a, a perfect name for a director for a movie. All right, let's Directed workshop by... a script. Let me think now. Frederico yes. Finkelstein. He could be... Frederico Finkelstein. His mother, his mother would have to be like a Spanish Matahari, temptress. Right. And she infiltrates right. an empire run by the Finkelsteins. And that empire mm-hmm. could be in Hollywood. And she works to subvert a communist hidden agenda in movies. And that was in 1958. And guess what? It worked, and now half of America is communist. I like it. See, that's how you workshop a script. We can do it right here, Teresa. Thank you so much. Good luck. And we're. And by the way, it's 60-40. I'm the one that came up with the idea. 60-40. Thank you, Teresa. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. Dave in Wheaton. Um, hey, Sean. Uh, World at War series narrated for documentary narrated by uh, Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, oh, really? Lawrence Olivier narrates it? You've never seen this? It, it's fantastic. It used to be on in the seventies. I'm embarrassed. But, I'm embarrassed. I've never oh, seen and Lawrence Olivier narrates the World at War series. I, I, there's a lot. There's a lot of them. There might be twenty six of them or something. Oh, but okay. when you watch the whole thing, it's interesting how the uh, the Nazis, when they surrendered, they did not want to go to the Russians. They they were begging to come to the Americans because we're so evil. The National you know, Socialist um, Worker Party. You mean like the Democrats? Yeah, they were begging. They were begging, please give us the United States. We're POWs. Give us the United States. Don't let us go to the Russians. Yeah, the problem um, is the other thing our is, government helped them do that. Just that. Did you happen to see Washington's War? No. Oh, you must watch it. I watched it on the Fourth of July. Washington's War. When you George see, Washington? Yes. Do you understand? You know okay. the odds in that guy doing what he did and the time frame in which he did it i'm going to tell you something right now it's unbelievable what this one man did and how he motivated he only had two thousand troops at the when he won some of those battles he had been he started with 20 they killed eighteen thousand of them with two thousand he changed the course against cornwallis that arrogant pseudo-intellectual limey I don't like them, but all right. The actual, oh, real, real quick, did you ever get to see that DVD I got to you, um, uh, The Lives of Others? So I put it on in the plane, The Lives of Others. I watched about 40 minutes of it, so I have to watch more. But you okay. know, it's, it's funny. You. Sometimes when they, when they come down here, I'm telling you, I think the guy, he either wants to catch his wife with somebody else or he's meeting his girlfriend because they say it's going to be three hours. The guy makes it in like two. It's fascinating. But thank you. I will definitely watch the rest of it, okay? Thanks for the cigar. Anytime. Thank you. 312-642-5600. We'll take your suggestions. We'll even take ones you didn't like that you thought were terrible. Um, I think... Most of the new ones are kind of terrible, isn't it? You know, I, try, I go in, I'm optimistic. I want to root for it. And then they do that tomorrow war thing, which was no good. We'll be back after this. There was another one that I saw. It was about um, what had happened to the Chinese people. The guy is uh, during World War II. And this guy... He was like the Schindler of World War II. I've got to get that name. But before I do, let's go to Dave in Lansing. Hey, Sean. Uh, 
I don't watch new movies too often because I've boycotted Hollywood, but I have a few older ones. All right. What do um, you got? Uh, they Live. It came out in like 90 or something with Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's an early look into the deep state, and it's very entertaining. It's fictional. Really? But, so now do you have, like, do you have um, yeah. Prime? No, I, I don't have any kind of, like, new streaming or anything. I don't go to the theaters. I, I watch, you sound like, like a real barrel of fun. I'm sure you're a ball at the parties. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Get Prime. I mean, you don't have to like Bezos. It's really quite a good service. And he single-handedly has destroyed the monopoly of the uh, communists that have ruled over Hollywood. Um, it's really okay. quite interesting. There is, a, there is a show called Deep State that's available on Prime. That is okay. absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Dave. I do have to okay. clear out the list. I hung up on Dave. Sorry, buddy, but he doesn't have any internet. He'll call back. Mike, Itasca. Yes. Uh, I, Sean, I got to tell you, Secondhand Lion. You ever see that movie? I did, but for some reason I'm blanking on what it is, but I remember the title. Who's in it? Robert Duvall. Yes. Uh, Michael Caine. Uh, about the two rich uncles, they, they're like kind of bizarre, mm-hmm. you know, eccentric uncles. But the the kid is like, the kid isn't is, the one like a preacher? Isn't Duval a preacher? No, no, oh, not at all. I'm thinking of another. But one. anyway, these, these uh, uncles they have a lot of money, and all these relatives are trying to, you know, visit them and trying to get their money in it. And the salesmen are coming to their door and. All right. Whatever I'm going to see if I could download it. It's yeah. really good. I, I highly recommend it. It's just right. it's, it takes place in the late 50s, very early 1960s, right. 61 maybe, but it's Mike, it's I appreciate like Second Hand Lions. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much, Robert Schomburg. Yeah, I got a movie for you. This one's great. I am a fugitive from a chain gang. From 1932, it's black and white. It's unbelievable. Robert, I'm watching it tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it next week. I didn't mean to hang up on you, but I got to get Tom and Berwin. Tom. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Good. We're running out of time, babe. Give it to me. The Truffle Hunters. It's a documentary. Just came out. It's kind of hard to find. It's about a group of European guys have been going for hundreds and years, hundreds and hundreds of years, finding these mushrooms. Tom, if you're ever at Molto in Naples, eat the truffle pasta. It's unbelievable. Thank you so much. I'm going to watch Truffle Hunters on top of it. Have a great weekend. Democrat free. I wish it for all of you. Talk to you later.